Uh, let's continue now that we're halfway into our session with verse 4. Uh, so, uh, the, the Zoba, we're still in the Zoba incident. Remember uh, this picture of the war going up to Zoba, north of Damascus? Why was that an important event? Well, that leads to two vital things. The Zoba campaign will affect David's relationship with the Ammonites, the siege of Rabbah, and that whole incident is, 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 is going to come out of this campaign. Also, even though Solomon, uh, uh, Solomon's mother is not even married to David yet, okay? But this campaign at Zobah will bring in almost all of the precious material, the precious metals and so forth, that Solomon will use to build the temple. The gold, the bronze, and silver, and all of that. So that's what's going to happen. So David took from him, that's the king of Zobah, a thousand chariots, 7,000 charioteers. What's a charioteer? C-H-R-I-O-T-E-E-R-S, charioteer, charioteer. You young guys don't know what I'm even saying. So, okay. Uh, yeah, it's chariot driver. Um, uh, chariots had two people in them in this time. A chariot had a passenger and a driver. The passenger was the soldier who requires almost no training. Although it would help if he had some training. Um, do you know the story of how King Tut died? Have I told you that story already? They've done a medical autopsy of King Tut. I guess because they can. Because we have his corpse. Mummy, right? Yeah, yeah, and his corpse and his bow. And they found that King Tut has uh, everything broken in his body from this point of his groin up his middle, all through his chest bones, and up through his clavicle. All in a line. All of that's broken. How would all that, I mean, is that a, just a giant stick whacking David, or, sorry, King Tut from above? Or how would it, well, it seems like he got run over by a chariot. Um, in fact, they think that King Tut got run over by his own chariot. Uh, that what happened was they were in a battle with, I forget if it was the Nubians or who it was with, and uh, uh, Tut was firing arrows as, as, as that's what the warrior would do. Um, and uh, I think he was maybe hit with an arrow, but it wasn't a, a mortal wound. Just, you know, knocked. But he was knocked out of the chariot. He fell to the ground and started, you know, I mean, he's having a hard time breathing and everything. And he, he kind of turns around to make sure nobody's behind him. And he stands up. And his driver realizes, I just lost the king, and drives in a big old circle. And by the time David gets up, or, sorry, Tut, gets up on his knees, the guy has come full circle and runs him over and kills him. That's what the autopsy of King Tut has shown us. For how old was he? 17 or whatever, he, 22 or something like that. Um, so, all right. So, 7,000 charioteers and 20,000 foot soldiers. Um, he hamstrung all the chariot horses, but left enough for a hundred chariots. Um, what, what's hamstringing? It's where you cut the tendon on the back of the heel that allows you to do anything with that leg besides kind of stand and limp. Yeah. Um, so Arameans from Damascus 
came to help Hadadezer, king of Zobah, but David killed 22,000 men in Aram. David destroys the, uh, an Aramean army at this point. And David placed garrisons in Damascus and Aram, so the Arameans became subject to David and paid tribute. Um, so that's what's happening up there. But the people of Zobah don't forget. They're not happy about this. And the Lord gave victory to David everywhere. David took the gold shields, which belonged to the officials of Hadad-Ezer, and brought them to Jerusalem. What would a gold shield be valuable for? Yeah, just for show. Because a gold shield, that's, taking a gold shield in a battle, gold is a very soft metal. So why not pick up your garbage can lid to fend off those attacks? You know, it's about as good as a piece of plastic or a piece of um, tin or whatever, but, but show. From Tibhath and Kun, cities of Hadadezer, David took huge amounts of bronze. Bronze, on the other hand, very hard metal, the recipe to make bronze, the basic recipe, is 85 parts copper to 15 parts tin. You amalgamate that and skim off the crud, and, and you've got a wonderful hard metal that can be poured and cast, and it stays hard. Um, and with it, Solomon later made the sea, the pillars, and the bronze vessels. What's the sea that he's talking about here? The, did you say the big bowl thing? You're exactly right. It was the big bowl thing. Um, about three quarters of the of the of the diameter of this room, big bowl thing, um, you know, yay tall and that wide, um, with a huge lip around it. That they and with twelve life size bulls cast in bronze, holding it up. That was the water source for the temple. So and it's uh, they. Uh, 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 oh, enough about that. Let's just continue with the text. But anyway, that's where he got the bronze for it. Uh, this is an actual picture from, the, from about the time period of what these guys, Arameans, would have looked like. Um, uh, perhaps related somehow to the, to the Hittites. You see the beardless faces and the big noses. That's classic of, of Hittite or Aramean um, individuals. Um, but Tau, king of Hamath, heard that David had defeated the entire army of Hadad-Ezer, king of Zobah. And he sent his son Hadaram to King David to ask peace with him and to bless him because he had fought against and defeated Hadad-Ezer, who had been at war with Tau. That name is sometimes spelled Toy in the Bible. There are two spellings. I I'm just going to say Tau because that's what this says. He sent all kinds of articles of gold, silver, and bronze. And King David dedicated these to the Lord along with the silver and gold which he had carried off from all the nations from Philistia, Moab, Ammon, and the Amalekites. So all around, David's collecting materials from all around. Where did they get the articles, the metal for the original tabernacle? By plundering the Egyptians on, their, on the way out in the Exodus. And now David plunders the, the people um, who are all around. Yes? Um, we're told that there's very good gold in the land of Havilah in, uh, in Genesis. And uh, that was one of the rivers associated with the Tigris and Euphrates. And where exactly did that go? But gold mining in what we would call Afghanistan was not unknown. Um, and also in some of the mountains in Greece, although that's more silver 
at least today. But yeah, gold coming from Africa would be correct. So they would have got it by trade and by war and by marriage and other things. Plunder, piracy. All good stories have pirates. Yeah. Now, remember David has a sister named Zeruiah. She has four sons, David's nephews, who are all like commanders or captains or whatever. So Abishai, son of Zeruiah, killed 18,000 Edomites. I told you this battle was going to show up in the Valley of Salt. He placed garrisons in Edom and all Edom was subject to David. Edom is that area due south of the Dead Sea. That's Edom. Um, and the Lord, again, the Lord gave victory to David everywhere he went. And David was king over all Israel and he treated his people with justice and fairness. And now there's just a short three-verse list of David's officials. It's not that um, vital that we look at it carefully, but I'd like to look at it. So Joab, remember, son of Zeruiah, was over the army. Jehoshaphat, son of Ahilud, was the record keeper. Zadok, son of Ahitub, and Ahimelech, son of Abiathar, were the priests. And Shavsha was the secretary. Benaiah, that's a name that keeps coming up in David's reign, this Benaiah. Uh, son of Jehoiada, he was over the Carathites and the Pelathites. That's the water carriers and the woodcutters, um, those guys. And then the sons of David were chief advisors at the side of the king. Ooh, Amnon, Absalom, those guys, chief advisors. I wonder if that was more of an honorary than a useful title. If, if you don't mind, we'll move into chapter 19. It's actually a little bit shorter than chapter 18. The first war with Ammon. Ammon is the area right across the Jordan River, basically, from Jerusalem. It's north of Moab. That's, that's Ammon. And David had been on good terms with Ammon. So uh, he, he didn't go to war against Ammon. But now there's a war with Ammon simply because of a mistaken sympathy card. Be careful how you write your sympathy cards to people. David and the Ammonites. After this, Nahash, king of the Ammonites, died, and his son became king in his place. That's not really a photograph of Nahash, king of the Ammonites. Um, however, I, do, I, I, I sometimes use pictures from this era uh, of Bedouins and others to give us the idea of what guys probably looked like because the clothes really don't change over the millennia. But does anybody know what that thing is he's got his hand on that he's got slung behind his back? It's not a giant bow and arrow. Does it kind of look like a walking stick? It is not. Uh, if you look at the thing near his hand, that fits in the shoulder this is an old-fashioned gun. It's a shooting iron. Um, it really is. You see often uh, paintings of Bedouins on horses with these kind of immensely long guns with weirdly decorated uh, butts. This isn't exactly like a John Wayne-style rifle, is it? It's also um, 50 to 100 years before the American Wild West. This is not a Winchester rifle, okay? This is an Ibn Saud rifle, or whoever. I just made that name up. But, uh, that, uh, and the long, the long, long barrel is because it's not a rifle. It's a gun. Um, so the, 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 uh, the, the um, ball in the, in the barrel 
is not, doesn't, doesn't spin as it comes out. It just has to go through a long, long barrel. And the longer the barrel, hopefully, the straighter the shot will be. Um, so that's the reason for the enormously long barrel of this kind of a gun. Um, all right. So dad dies. Prince is now king. David said, I will show kindness to Hanun, son of Nachash, just as his father showed kindness to me. And David sent messengers to comfort him concerning his father. A sympathy card, right? But, oh, that word. But when David's officials came to the land of the Ammonites to console Hanun, the officers of the Ammonites said to Hanun, do you really think David is honoring your father because he has sent messengers to express sympathy to you? Haven't his officials come to you as scouts to spy on the land and to overthrow it? By the way, I, it just occurs, this really kind of uh, foreshadows some of the trouble that they're going to have with Rehoboam, David's grandson, um, when he reacts badly to advice when he becomes king. Well, so Hanun seized David's officials shaved them, cut off their clothing up to the middle of their buttocks and sent them away. When I was in Sunday school, we, also, we always laughed when we got to hear our teachers say buttocks. So it's always hilarious. But, but uh, what would shaving them, their, you know, their hair and their beards, what would that do to them? I mean, they weren't Nazarites, but still, shaving them would shame them. Yeah, they would be embarrassed. Um, so rather than send them back with dignity, he sends them back bald and shaved and, and with their pants messed up, you know, and everything like that. And so after they were sent on their way, you see the map there? Um, the, the Star of David, you know what a Star of David is? It's a six-pointed, two-triangle two star. That's Jerusalem. And then you've got Rabbah way on the right, uh, kind of a, I think it's a white dot with a red diamond, I think is how I did it. I did this a week ago, sorry. And then Jericho's in between. You see the, the, the red and white dot of Jericho. So. And also in David's time, I think that the, the Jordan, which is the line of the river that's there, I think it was right up against Jericho in, in David's time and not like a quarter of a mile, you know, away. How far is a quarter of a mile in New Ulm? A mile is how many blocks? Twelve. So quarter mile is four blocks? No, three blocks. Three city blocks. I, I think it was further, I think it was closer. And you know, the, the rivers do change over time. Um, there are bends in the Minnesota over here. What are they called? Oxbows? That are on the map. But they don't serve the river anymore. They're just weeds growing there now. But they're on the map. And that's, the river was there once, but it ain't no more. Uh, pardon my grammar. Okay. After they were sent on their way, David received a report about these men. David sent messengers to meet them, for the men were deeply, deeply humiliated. These were David's emissaries. And the king said, stay in Jericho until your beards have grown, then return. So, you know, for the sake of their families and their dignity and their honor, he says, stay there. Just let your, let your hair grow out again. And I, I hope David also sent them something. New pair of pants, yeah, something, yeah, robe. 
The Ammonites saw that they had made themselves a disgusting stench to David. Hunan and the Ammonites sent a thousand talents of silver. Isn't the beginning of that verse like, like oh, hey, maybe they're going to say sorry. That's not what they do. They sent a thousand talents of silver. By the way, a talent of silver is how much? It's a lot. It's a heavy thing of silver. A thousand of those. Um, to hire chariots and charioteers for themselves from Aram of the two rivers. That's all, sometimes uh, translated Aram Nacharayim. That means two rivers. Um, Tigris and Euphrates. Um, and from Aram Meaka and from Zoba. Why Zoba? Didn't they just lose their army? Yeah, but they're mad. And this is maybe a year later. So yeah, they might actually send something down. So they hired 32,000 chariots. The king of Maaca, so one of the kings becomes the commander of this army about to attack David and his troops. They came and set up camp in front of Mediba. I'll show this to you in a map in a minute. The Ammonites were called together from their cities and they came for battle. And this is way down. These are people coming from north of Damascus, way down to the Dead Sea. So this is a big move to defeat David on his home turf, they think. When David heard about this, he deployed Joab and the entire army of powerful warriors. David doesn't pull, out, pull any stops here. And um, I remember uh, uh, that... Uh, not because I was there, but I remember that Robert E. Lee said this to his commanders. When you commit, you commit totally. That's why Lee was such a good commander. Because he didn't really keep anybody in reserve. When he attacked, he attacked with the whole thing. You, you, if you're in this battle, then win this battle. You know, Don't dip your toe in like you're not sure how hot the water is. If you're going to go, go. And that's what David does. The entire army of powerful warriors. The Ammonites came out and lined up in battle formation in front of the entrance to the city. This is Mediba. Uh, the kings who had come from Aaron, Aram were lined up by themselves in the open country. So here you have uh, Jerusalem on the left, Rabbah on the upper right, and between them, Mediba. Notice that it's south of the, of the ridge of mountains that's east of the Dead Sea, that ridge of mountains is called Mount Nebo. If you remember, that's where Moses preached the book of Deuteronomy and where Moses died. So that's Mount Nebo. And that's where Joshua took the Israelites down from there, across the Jordan, across the street, and into Jericho. So that's where this is. But they're, they're in Mediba over there in the desert. And so I, I've lined up the battle formation that I think is... I think it, I, I may have gotten Joab and Abishai with their names mixed up, but you've got David's blue troops, their pentagons here, lined up um, on the slopes of Mount Nebo, which would make sense. Where do you want to put your troops if you have a choice in a battle? On the high ground, exactly. And then the Arameans, for whatever reason, camp out on the open country, but kind of, sort of, on the way up to Rabbah, in case David's troops decide to go up that way. We're going to protect the capital city of the Ammonites. But the Ammonites themselves had lined up in front of the gates of the city of Mediba, which is their stronghold. Um, so, 
Uh, now for the details of the battle. Joab saw that the battle lines were drawn up against him, both in front of him and behind him. So somebody must have gotten around the, the horn of Mount Nebo also. That's not on the map, I'm sorry. but So he chose some of the best troops of Israel and deployed them to confront the Arameans. The rest of the army he put in, or Joab, did I say David? It's Joab, the general's doing this. The rest of the army he put under the command of his brother Abishai. They were deployed to confront the Ammonites, that is, down at the city. Um, so this is what happens. Um, once again, I've got Joab and Abishai mixed up here, but they're, they're, they, they've, they've got um, the Arameans on the left, the Ammonites on the right, and they're going to go after both groups. And now Joab does something that's brilliant. The problem with communication in war, or in a battle rather, is how do you do it if you don't have you know, cell phones or walkie-talkies? Um, you do it through, sometimes through flags, right? Trumpets is the other one. What happens, though, if the enemy is using the same style trumpet you are, which is just a ram's horn? So, and what happens if there's a lot of dust and you can't see a, 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 a flag very well? What do you do? Well, Joab makes it very clear to the other commander, his brother Abishai, um, the signal for what we're supposed to do is the movement of the enemy army itself. So Joab says, if Aram is too strong for me, you come to my rescue. If the Ammonites are too strong for you, I'll rescue you. That's pretty simple, isn't it? I mean, that's football tactics. If they go left, we'll all go left. If they go right, we'll all go right. Get it? Uh, be strong, act courageously for our people and for the cities of our God. The Lord will do what is good in his eyes. Joab leaves it in the Lord's hands. And then Joab and the people who were with him confronted the Arameans in the battle. I don't know if they really had camels. Um, and the Arameans fled from him. So they, they, they run away. When the Ammonites saw that the Arameans had fled, they also fled from Joab's brother Abishai and entered the city. So they, they run back into the city walls. And Joab then returned to Jerusalem. So essentially this is what goes on. The Arameans run. Some of the Ammonites probably leave, but the rest of them enter into Medeba. Um, and uh, Abishai keeps them in check. Joab goes back to Jerusalem um, because there's, there's nothing left of this battle. But now what do they do? Um, they've won a victory. They have troops out in the field. Now what? When the Arameans saw that they had been defeated, they sent messengers and summoned the Arameans who were from beyond the Euphrates. So now they're calling in troops from way up north. Like, we're talking about, you know, um, what? Uh, uh, what's up there? Um, Armenia? Or, you know, I mean, where, wherever these they were. Um, they're from beyond the Euphrates. Shofak, the commander of the army of Hadadezer, was leading them. This was reported to David, so he gathered all Israel and crossed the Jordan. David goes over to the, where the battle site was, or sends his army there. He came upon them and deployed for battle against them. David deployed for battle to engage Aram, and they fought against each other. The Arameans fled from Israel. David killed 7,000 Aramean charioteers and 40 thousand foot soldiers he also killed Shofak the commander of the army does that mean David did that personally 
No, it, it means that his army did it. You know, that, that's, that's what happened. Um, this battle doesn't have a name in the Bible or a convenient place, but I think we should probably refer to it as the Battle of Mount Nebo, because if you are David, where do you line up against the Arameans? And to me, Mount Nebo makes the most sense that David would line up there. And then Shofak's Arameans come down from the distant north. Um, there is some kind of a conflict. And David uh, defeats most, kills many, and drives off the rest. But now David has this problem. Uh, he now has this much territory, and the Ammonites have not tried to sue for peace. So what does David do? You know, you can either destroy the city and leave, right? Or you can occupy the city, but you can't really give it back. So what do you do? Well, David chose to fortify the city. So he captures this part of, Mo, or of, of uh, Ammon, rather, and from here on, this leads to what's going to happen the following year. So, whoop. so the kings, subject to Hadad-Ezer, saw that they were defeated by Israel. They made peace with David and became subject to him. The, the Aram was not willing to rescue the Ammonites anymore. Ammon is still at war with David, but the Arameans now are at peace and they leave. So David, again, has this issue. He controls most of Ammon, and at least the southern half of it and their, border, and their western border. What does he do about Rabbah? This leads us to what next time I'm going to call the Second Ammonite War, the Siege of Rabbah. But meanwhile, something has happened. It's in your notes. Um, in, in one of those battles with, with the Philistines, a giant Philistine, remember that they have those nine-footers sometimes? One of those guys... Uh, named Ishbi Benab tries to challenge David to single combat. This is in 2 Samuel 21. The army goes crazy. You can't, you, when you were 16, you could do that with Goliath, but you can't go out there with your slingshot. Now, David, you're our king. And they even tell him, otherwise the light of Israel will go out. They're not willing to let him go do that. So they go and as they, they, they just, ah, they rush this Ishbi Banab guy and kill him and defeat the army. But they then tell David, you can't come out um, with the army any longer. This is too much of a danger. So what do we have here in the following chapter? David is still at war with the Ammonites. The city of Rabbah has to be under siege. But that summer... David is left home, he's back home on the rooftop of his house, and he sees Bathsheba bathing. And that takes us into chapter 20, which we'll cover then next time. Um, this, this issue of chronicles, uh, uh, are we still God's people now? They're reviewing you know, the, the, the glory days of David's victories, but also the author is kind of skipping over some of the sins to reflect God's blessing on the people, but not all the sins can be, can be skipped over. Some of them have to be reviewed um, and the problems that Israel had. Um, but um, are we still the people of God um, ultimately um, 
ends with, we're here, we're back in the city of David at the end of the book, um, and we still have God's blessings. Well, should we sing? Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him, all creatures here below. Praise him above ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. You've been listening to Invisible Church, the Bible study podcast from St. Paul's Lutheran Church, New Wall, Minnesota.